Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Sam's Report. What a colossally crazy... Is that even a word? Colossally? Colossally busy. I'm going to use it again. Uh, busy week it has been. Oh, my God. So we had a Microsoft event. We had a Google event. Or not a Google event. Um, an Apple event. And then Google did actually announce some hardware this week. So, <laughs> wow. Um, just, yeah. Just going to... Nothing really went on. We're just going to shut it down here and call it uh, a day. And just call it a day. No, but we're going to dive in. Longer show today, it seems like. And we're just going to kind of jump right in. So, obviously, I was in New York this week. If you watched any of the stupid craziness that was going on with First Ring Daily and doing live streams from the event. Uh, a lot of fun there. Did a couple periscopes as well. But went to New York. It was freezing, by the way. At least um, for those of you in the U.S., when I left the house, it was about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And when I landed in New York, it was about 40. And so I was just... Not really prepared for the cold, even though we had these great things, this great thing called the internet where I could have actually checked the weather. I just assumed, hey, it's the same parallel. It should be about, I don't know, uh, same horizontal. It should be about the same. But there we go. Anyways, uh, I'm actually heading back to New York next week because I don't, you know, I just love getting on planes. Uh, Microsoft is having an event on, uh, what is it, Wednesday of next week? That's November 2nd, where I will, again, be back in New York City. Going to make it a day trip. Will be kind of crazy. But Microsoft Teams is expected at that event. And uh, formerly Skype Teams. So that is what's coming next week. So we're just going to dive right in, okay? Uh, Surface Studio. The name was legit. Surface Studio leaked out uh, as a trademark. And hey, that's the name. And also, surprisingly, the patents for the Surface Studio, like, dead on. Um, Microsoft probably should have, well, like, reeled that back a little bit. Or at least, um, I don't know. Uh, you can You can mask that stuff for a limited amount of time. Whatever, Microsoft uh, patented it, and the patents were the Surface Studio. It leaked out. We'd all seen it, but nobody really knew it until they pulled back the covers on everything. So, Surface Studio, starting price of $2,099. Uh, fun tip here, code name is Cardinal. So, Mary Jo was correct. I actually had this name, and I talked about it a couple times uh, way back in the spring, but I thought it was related to Scorpio. I was incorrect. It was actually related to this Surface all-in-one. So... The only thing you need to know about the Surface Studio is it is the best damn display you will ever see. It is, they they spent all their time and all their effort making the display, which makes sense. Everything else in the device is, well, we'll talk a little bit more about it. It's not completely off the shelf, but it's pretty close to being just off the shelf components. It's a small, la it's a laptop essentially connected to a crazy good display. And I, when I say crazy good, I mean, it is, it's phenomenal. Uh, I put my Mac... Not my Mac, my Surface Book Pro. Surface Book Pro, what am I talking about? My Surface Book next to it. I had my Pro 4 with me. Uh, Surface Book next to it. And you could tell the screen is just, it's better in every way. Just the clarity, it just, it's just lovely. I think is the best way to describe it. And I bet you that screen um, of that $3,000 price tag is over $2,000. Easy. I, I mean... When you hear them talk about every aspect of that display is custom. The aspect ratio, they're finally getting away from 16 by 9. Yay! Even though 16 by 9 is great, um, it's nice to see something that's not 16 by 9. So aspect ratio, uh, just the color depth um, and the richness of it and the fact that you can dynamically change it, which isn't completely unique to this display, but you can change the color gamut just uh, through the action center. They really went all in on this display. And they actually said there's over a mile of wiring, I believe, to connect the cameras to the base because it's it's so thin that 
you can't just run wires behind there and just say, ah, we're going to sandwich it shut because then you get uneven backlighting or uneven color distribution. So it was a pretty big technical challenge about, uh, yeah, it was a pretty big technical challenge just trying to get this done. So they told us that they had been working on this for about two years. So this isn't something that they just said, ah, you know what, we're just going to build something and just throw, you know, pull a, pull a widget off here and a component off there and just slap it together. I mean, this is Microsoft taking their time and doing what they feel is the best route. And they talked about a lot of different iterations. They actually had a model, they said, uh, at one point that was motorized. So you wouldn't actually fold it down. You just hit a button and go, and you know, and it would just like lower itself down. But obviously that didn't make it in. And I think that's fine. It's a zero gravity or zero, whatever, something friction hinge. It's great. Like you can just use your finger and it just moves real quick. And so the obvious thing here is when it's sitting at that angle, what they call the drafting board angle, I was like, eh, what if you just like fall on this thing? Is that hinge going to snap? Um, is the hinge just going to snap? And so they're like, no, we really did test this to no surprise. And they're like, yeah, just go lean on it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like if I break one of these things, uh, you guys are not going to be very happy with me. So one of the engineers just started like rocking this thing and it's stable. It's not going to break unless you really, really try to like just jump on this thing. And so the hinge done right. It's, it's lovely. So surface studio, uh, it's really cool. Very, very expensive though. So this is, again, not the surface. I've written this a couple different places. This is not the surface for everyone. I, I kind of hope that at some point that this would become like in an ideal scenario, I was hoping that they would make this like the surface studio pro and that there would have been a version, uh, with a significantly lower quality display and lower quality being, uh, not like dramatically, but maybe one that was a little bit priced less. And so it's like, hey, if you need the pro stuff, but okay, you know what? You you just want a nice PC for your house that you can screw around with. Um, and then maybe got it in at like the, you know, $1,900 price point if they could have just done like a, a normal standard display. So we'll see. We'll see if Microsoft ever goes down that route. But at the same time, I'm also happy that they did this. Like I, I understand why they did this. Surface, br the Surface brand uh, is all about creating category defining devices and it's not enough just to have a laptop it has to be something that's a laptop plus something else it's not just enough to have a tablet it has to be a tablet plus something else and so they needed that plus that extra feature to make it category defining and then they just said you know what let's just give it the best damn stuff we can and they went crazy on the display and that was the result and so from that point i'm happy that they said you know what we're going to build something that we're really proud of and we know it's going to be expensive. We know it's going to be for professionals, but that's what this thing is. So on that aspect, good job, Microsoft. You set the bar high. You allowed room for your OEM partners to come in at a lower price point with a similar style device that, uh, you know, fills in that void that the Surface Studio does not currently meet. But they also leave the door open for themselves to kind of lower that price point. And I still am really, really hoping that they're going to make a standalone display uh, which good or bad, there's a couple different ways to think about this. If that display is truly is, and I firmly believe when they told me this over $2,000, that's a very expensive display. Now, granted, if you go look at what Wacom, uh, does with their, I think it's Syntec or whatever their displays, they're not cheap either, but they're the highest quality displays because when you're doing drafting and design and all that stuff, and what you're working on is going to go to a printer, you need the highest 
quality display so that when the, the ink starts dropping, it's the closest representation to what you were drawing. That's the market for this stuff. But it is expensive. Um, all the run is all the way up to 4,200 bucks. And it's not, the display is the lat, like the leading edge. The CPU is a version of Skylake because the other, other new Intel chips aren't out yet. Um, uh, there are some downsides though. It's using last gen, uh, graphics chips from the nine, 900 series from NVIDIA. And the one thing that was really surprising to me is that they use a, a hybrid drive in this thing. So it's not a full solid state architecture like many were kind of thinking it was. So uh, what it is, is depending on the configuration is like, let's say on the lower end, I believe it's a 128 gig uh, solid state drive married to a platter drive. So it's a what Apple calls a fusion drive. And it's like, really, guys, you couldn't just get it all solid state. And so they kind of, you know, they pushed back and said, look, we know these people need storage. And if we do it at all solid state, it would just make things more expensive. But you take that and then the fact that there's no Thunderbolt uh, here. And you kind of get a mixed message on its leading edge and one aspect on other areas. It's like, okay, we can't can't blow the water, you know, blow, blow the water out of the bathtub with this type of thing. So... A little disappointed in the connectivity, and it does have, uh, what is it, mini display out. There's no true HDMI straight out. Uh, you can, you know, convert it and all that good stuff. I know I know you guys know that stuff too. Um, so the connectivity is a little odd, but speaking of connectivity, if you have an Xbox One controller like this guy, uh, it is built in. So you don't need that little dongle thing. You don't need it. It's built into the base, which is kind of neat, but at the same time, I don't think gamers are buying this machine. Uh, why would you spend three grand on this? Don't get me wrong. It's a good machine. But if you can get a lot of PC for three grand, that will benchmark the hell out of out of a studio. Um, I mean, you can get you could potentially get two 1080s in a machine um, for under three grand with a monitor and everything else. So I, the gaming aspect is like, um, I think it was more of just like, hey, we can include this for a very little cost. Let's just do it for the hell of it. But uh, limited availability, and I asked Microsoft, and they were supposed to get back to me, but they didn't. I asked about availability outside the U.S., and knowing Microsoft, I'm just going to, I don't think you're going to be seeing it, um, at least not for a while. I mean, limited availability already, there's, they're saying that typically they like to keep things in the U.S., so I would imagine uh, if you live outside the U.S., you're going to be, you're, you're going to be sitting high and dry here for a little bit. Uh, if you are inside the U.S., head over to a Microsoft store. They're now having these things in store, so you can go see them. You can pre-order now, and uh, if you're, you know, really gung-ho on this thing, definitely kind of get on it, because I, I think you're going to have a tough time. <laughs> you're going to have a tough time getting a hold of one of these things. Uh, other cool things, so the dial. The, the dial is actually really interesting. Actually, the one thing I told Microsoft is like, hey, can you open source this? I want to turn this into like a nifty little uh, light dimmer switch for my office because it's it feels really nice. Like it's it's made out of that machine metal that everything else the Surface Studio is made out of. Um, it has a nice good click interaction. But here's a fun little factoid for you. The, the longest part of the design process for that Surface dial was the rubber pad it sits on. So on the bottom of the dial, it's a little rubber pad, so it sits nicely on a desk. But granted, you can also put it on the screen so it can't be scratchy or whatever. And it, you don't want it to scratch your display because then you don't get that cool like rotation interaction, the color wheel stuff. Um, 
so actually de designing that was the longest part because you think about it like the metal cup that the, is the actual top is not a big deal magnets aren't a big deal uh, it uses bluetooth that's a known thing um and it has batteries and so it's not a big deal but the building this thing but what was tough was getting a a rubber silicone composite that would sit well on a desk and not slide around uh, and then one that could sit also on a glass screen at an angle and not fall off because you got to remember you don't want to put this thing on here and have it like slide down so it's got to be sticky but it can't have a suction to it and so what they do is they take this rubber little silicone disc and they laser etch different patterns into it and then they finally found a pattern that was the optimal solution for what they were doing and lo and behold there you go that was the longest part they said they had hundreds of those iterations so that's a little fun little side note about the little dial thing there you go i don't know like I, i'm really curious to see how this thing does i i'm i honestly am and i'm waiting to see when it gets out into the real world because you know these surface books were great right these things were awesome um they, they didn't ship so well though right they had a lot of problems coming out of the gate and i suspect microsoft has learned their lesson they're not using brand new silicone here so i i want to make sure that these things come out and are hopefully uh you know good quality i i don't know if i'm getting a review unit or not or if they haven't really i don't have one right now i can tell you affirmatively i do not have a surface uh all in one of my house i don't think anybody has one right now um except for actually penny arcade has had one for a couple months it sounds like lucky son of a gun so we'll see if i get one um i don't think i'd buy one on my own I just, three thousand bucks is a lot of money and i have a mortgage to pay and a kid in daycare for that matter for those of you who are familiar with daycare expenses um so we will see i'm cautiously optimistic that it will do okay and that microsoft will continue to push forward with this and um so best of luck to microsoft i think they did the right thing here i, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting device it's going to be an interesting device. So other things, this is not the only thing that was announced at this event, by the way. This was a long thing. Um, I think it was over two hours. So uh, one of the other things I don't want to go overlooked is that there's a new Surface Book out. Um, a new high-end i7 Surface Book. So it starts at what? Uh, $2,399. So latest Intel Skylake, I believe it's what? Quad-core... Uh, fun fact of the day, its codename was Orion. So we had the Surface Studio, which is codenamed Cardinal. I believe the dial was codenamed Campo. And then the Surface Book, uh, the new one, is codenamed Orion. So if you if you like codenames, there you go. Um, so $2,399. What's interesting about it is that it comes with a performance base, the, you know, the, the keyboard portion, that has more batteries, I believe, and uh, upgraded uh, graphics. So what they haven't announced yet, which is a little bit frustrating if they don't do this, they haven't announced if you can buy just the base. Like if you already have a nice top, um, like if you bought an i7 whatever Surface Book, and you're like, oh, hey, I'd love the extra batteries and the improved GPU. Um, they haven't announced if you can buy just the base yet. They even call it the performance base. So I'm, they had to have thought of this. I, I can't imagine that they would say, oh, no, we're not going to sell just the base. But that would be... Uh, that would be a crazy oversight because that's like the beauty of this thing and i don't know 
um, I actually talked with their surface engineers. I was like, you guys realize that you have one of the coolest things out there where you have a dedicated GPU outside the, the main frame of the computer. And not many people are doing this. Razer has it with their uh, laptop, although it's not nearly as elegant. I, I've used it before. And so it's like, come on, Microsoft, use this external GPU ability to its fullest potential. Like, let's ramp this thing up. Let's make this your thing that this is a customizable laptop that because granted, most of the times you buy a laptop and it's like, these are the specs never changing. Microsoft fixed that, that you can now upgrade the GPU in the battery. Let us have it. Like, come on, guys, let's let's do this. Like, if if they sold that that keyboard base for like two hundred and I bet, I bet if they can get it for like 250 300 bucks, I bet it would sell pretty well to every Surface book owner who has maybe had their device for a year now, or roughly a year, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I'd love to get some more GPU horsepower and better battery life. I, I don't know. So I'm hoping that they do this. I, I think they'd have to do it, but we shall see. So as a reminder, this thing was called uh, a Windows event. And so we learned a ton, a ton about RS2. So RS2, which this actually leaked in early in the morning, uh, is called the Creators Update. So if you're not a creator, yeah, nothing for you. Well, not quite. But they are focusing this on the creative market, which I think is really funny, uh, considering some of the things that Apple did this week, which we'll talk about later. So they're attacking the creators. And good God, Microsoft, if you're listening, um, it, too much time to paint on stage. Like, we get it. Paint was cool. It leaked, which, you know, doesn't mean you should change up your uh, presentation. But, like, it was, like, I believe, like, a half hour. It seemed like a very long time they were talking about paint, um, the 3D capabilities. And it's like, guys, it's paint. At the end of the day, this is paint. Like, it's, let's, let's. Let's let's wheel it back a little bit. It's 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 paint, guys. Uh, anyways, they went gung ho on paint, um, which I might be out now. It, it leaked, whatever. A lot of people got to play with it. There you go. Um, other things that they they showed off. They showed off some Xbox stuff. Remember Beam integration, uh, Bitstream audio passer, and what I think is kind of cool here is the ability to create your own tournament. So that's kind of nice. That's coming to Xbox. But there were there was also a video that got shown on stage that they ran through really quickly. And I actually wrote this up on Throt uh, yesterday where they showed off basically all the other features, at least some of them. There were some that weren't in there that I was a bit curious about. Uh, they showed off a bunch of other features that are coming to Windows 10 uh, creators update this spring, which they did say is coming this spring. Which includes, so these other features are Groove Music Maker, which um, seems kind of like a garage bandy-ish type thing that Apple has. So you can go ahead and create music uh, using Groove Music. Um, Edge is getting two new, at least two new features. Well, technically three, I know, but third. Um, there's a tab browser. So remember how when you hover over tab, it shows you like a mini display of the web page. Uh, there's a mode where you can now browse, browse those tabs if you have a bunch open. But more importantly, uh, there's a what appears to be a restore previous session. So there's a window that you can open and say, you know what, I had some really cool tabs open uh, a week ago. And you can actually go op reopen that browser session and and pull all that content back up. That's actually pretty nice. I'm really pumped about that. Action Center. Action Center is getting some updates. Uh, what is it? So when you open Action Center now, it's like those big blocks of everything they're going to kind of change that up thankfully because i don't think it looks too great especially seeing the new version it's always when you see the new version you look at the old one you're like oh 
or any of the older ones, it's kind of look like crap. So there's going to be at least two sliders, one for volume and the other for brightness. So you no longer are locked to, remember if you open it now, it's like you can pick like dim, optimal, bright, or brightest. Like they have predefined settings. So it's not going to be a slider, which is great. Totally on board with that. And some of the blocky logo, blocky buttons are going away and they look a little bit just, they just look better. Better, I, I can't, it's hard to describe them. They just look better. So go check that post out. It's on on Throt. Uh, might be a little bit down the page now, but it kind of shows everything that's coming. Um, other things that are new, custom accent colors. So if you use accent colors right now, Microsoft, again, has a predefined list. There's quite a few of them, but you'll be able to use a, a true color picker and define your own accent. Uh, the Windows Store is getting a personalization like section. Uh, it's actually across the top, so it's a pretty prominent area. One thing that's really interesting to me about this is that it's going to allow you to download themes for Windows. And so there's actually themes that cost money, at least in their, their screenshot. So a couple things here. What they show is uh, a wallpaper and a color. I'm assuming that there's got to be like sounds with it or something else. Because some of these themes were like, they were showing off like $249. Who's going to pay $249 for a wallpaper and uh, a theme that automatically sets the accent color? To, both of which you could do very little time. Um, so I'm assuming that maybe that it also can do the sound profiles. But it looks like Microsoft is looking larger at, again, figuring out ways to let people customize their, their desktop uh, easier. And again... For Microsoft, this is big because it gets more people into the store, which is their intent. The store has a lot of people coming through, but not a lot of transactions occurring. And so this is another way for the company to get people into the store. So what else we got? Uh, that's kind of the big stuff. Um, other things that are coming. So there's going to be another update to the settings as well. So it was shown in the Action, action Center, the Accent Color screenshot. On the right, so if you imagine a large square and the accent color is kind of in the middle, if you look at settings right now, the right rail is essentially empty. What's going to be coming over there are actually look like tutorial videos. I'm assuming those are going to be some sort of helper files, uh, related settings links, and then also a link or a section that takes you to a help and tips area. So they're going to be adding some more content into the settings. So there you go. That appears to be some of the big updates that are coming in RS2. Looks like it should arrive this spring. Um, one of the things that was not shown on stage, and which we've seen a couple times now, is this blue light, which, quick refresh, blue light uh, is an efflux. You know, it adjusts the blue light output on your windows. So late at night, you're not getting drowned in blue light, which supposedly makes it harder to fall asleep after you're done using a computer. So that was not shown. Uh, on stage. Also, I don't know what they're doing with cash. We didn't we didn't see anything really about Office. There's supposed to be like the universal clipboard kind kind of stuff, like one clip. So we will see. We will see what is uh, what else they got going on. I don't know if we're going to see anything next week at um, the Office event. Although there is the one thing they did show too is the People Bar, which allows you to put contacts down on your taskbar, and you can drag files to them to make it easier to communicate with the people you talk to regularly. So a lot of a lot of stuff. And, and remember, remember that this has been um, developed pretty quickly, right? The whatever the anniversary update came out in early August, and so now they're looking spring. This is a lot of stuff. Of course, they have a lot of employees working on all this, and some features got cut from Redstone One, and you know get pushed into Redstone Two. But 
So it looks like the creator's update does have quite a bit in it. What I'm looking for now are the business features that are going to come with Redstone 2. Microsoft has been pretty quiet, which is why I don't think we've heard the whole story yet. We, we do know that there is an Edge uh, enterprise feature coming, the Edge safe browsing mode uh, that can be controlled by an admin. We do know that's coming. They announced that Ignite. I don't know if they have any more enterprise features in this release. If they don't, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. Um, it seems like they should to kind of entice people in the corporate sector to adopt this version of Windows 10. But at the same time, we will see if they have anything more coming. They do have a, quite a bit of time, obviously, to announce this type of stuff. So one of the things that I got overshadowed pretty quickly, and it's started starting to come back to life a little bit here from the event is actually Microsoft VR initiative. So now we know why Windows Holographic is being built into Windows. Uh, Microsoft announced on stage VR headsets that are coming that they help design and build uh, with what they call six degrees of freedom, which really just means it tracks your head and has a whole bunch of fun sensors in it. But uh, what we're seeing here are third-party VR headsets that Microsoft helped build and this should cost around $299. So this is really interesting because an Oculus and a Vive are several hundred dollars, if not more, higher priced. So I would imagine the VR experience is probably going to be similar to what happens when you slot a cell phone into a headset. I, I bet it's similar to that. But I really think this is going to put a lot of pressure on Oculus and Vive because people are going to look at this and say, hey, I can get just about the same experience for a couple hundred dollars less. And interestingly... Uh, Alex, I believe it was Alex Kitman. I, I, I don't think he was supposed to say this. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out more, I guess, later. It said that, hey, there's going to be an event in December. So there's going to be a VR an event in December where I'm assuming they're going to talk a lot more about these headsets. They didn't give a lot of specs. They, will, they did say it's wired to the computer with a long wire. Hopefully it's just one because the Vive had, I think it was like three wires coming out. It was, um, I don't know. They had, <laughs> it just had so many wires coming up. Anyways, uh, but yeah, so December event for this these devices. And I'll be really curious. I, I want to know the specs because I want to know how close it's going to be. And potentially, I guess in theory, it could be better than Vive and Oculus because those things have been out for a while. But VR event coming in December. We'll learn a lot more about these devices. They're coming from everybody. It seems like Lenovo, Dell, I, although I didn't see HTC on there, which they're probably pretty upset about this, I would be my guess. But again, uh, Windows Holographic is now built in, <laughs> is now built into the desktop or the Windows experience. So there you go. There you go. Uh, that stuff is coming. If you hear any more about it, definitely let me know. But now you understand why I sold my Vive <laughs> this summer. I actually heard quite a bit about some of this VR stuff coming and I heard the $299 price point. I didn't want to, I don't like writing things up when I don't have the full story or quite frankly, another source telling me something. And so I, when I saw that Microsoft was trying to build VR headsets at, at 300 bucks, um, I took my Vive and I was like, well, I paid 800 for this thing. And I, I turned around and sold it mostly because, well, those things probably just dropped in value based on that announcement alone. And a lot of people waiting for this stuff. So I'll be very curious. I like VR. Um, it's not an $800 thing yet. 300 bucks, 300 bucks isn't bad. 300 bucks isn't bad for what you're getting. Hopefully, hopefully. So we shall see. We shall see. Oh my God. So is that all Microsoft announced? No, no. They had a lot of stuff on stage. Um, a lot of talking about the studio, how they built it. Um, some other minor things coming to Redstone. They talked about momentum with Windows 10. And you can go watch 
you can go rewatch the event and I highly recommend you do if you like this kind of stuff and look for the little things that Microsoft um, just kind of slips in there because they're pretty good at doing that. But that, in a nutshell, in a 25-minute nutshell, <laughs> is the Microsoft event. And um, fortunately, that's not all that happened this week. <laughs> oh my gosh. So... We're going to kick it off um, actually with a Google thing because this is kind of Microsoft related. Micro Google kind of came out of nowhere and announced a Surface Hub competitor. It's called the Jamboard. And so I had, I didn't see this coming. Uh, Microsoft, I don't believe, saw this coming. But what it is, and we don't have all the details, it's a 4K display. It's 55 inches that supports 16 touch points. Surface Hub does 100. Um, USB 2. USB 3 and Type-C, HDMI 2.0, Bluetooth, NFC, and comes in with a built-in wide-angle HD camera, mic speakers, and Wi-Fi. And so what this is Google's version of a conference room computer or what they call jam sessions, which will be interesting because Microsoft owns the trademark on GigJam, and I don't, I don't know if it's too close or not. Uh, but what they call jam sessions, it's like it's a whiteboard. It's an advanced whiteboard. Um, you can draw on it. You can erase with it. And... It's worth checking out, to be honest. Google says it's going to cost uh, less than $6,000, but that's right around the price point of a Surface Hub. Uh, actually, Surface Hub is a little bit higher. But, yeah. So, Jamboard, it's neat. And I'm happy that Google is doing this because it gives competition to Surface Hub, which Microsoft has done a very bad job of shipping on time. Uh, I've talked quite a bit about that. You can go watch some past episodes about their struggles to get this thing shipped correctly. Mostly because they didn't pre-buy enough and they don't own the factory, so they can't just call down and say, "Hey, build ten more." Like they got to get, um, they got to get time on the, the assembly line to build all this stuff. Blah blah blah. But anyways, so this Jamboard is part of G Suite. It's obviously a productivity tool. Uh, you cannot run native apps on it at this time. You you use it with a companion smartphone or tablet, which is Chrome OS, iOS, or Android. Here's what's Here's something I honestly think they overlooked. It doesn't support Windows in any way. And I know Google really doesn't like Windows for many reasons, which fine, some are valid. But the enterprise companies run Windows. And so if you're not going to support the most widely used operating system in the corporate environment, I think that's, I honestly think that's an oversight. And it would be relatively easy to fix. But I, I think that they need to support Windows. And I know that probably sounds like somewhat biased. But at the same time, companies run windows it, it's the truth yes there are some out there that run apple and i don't think there's any companies that run on chrome os granted i guess it's a possibility but jamboard doesn't support windows and i'm not just talking windows one i mean just like a windows laptop is what i'm talking about so i'll be curious i'll be i'm very curious to see how this thing i'd love to actually see one in person and try it out uh i'd love to get it side by side at surface hub but Surface Hub is a little bit more upstream. It's a complete all-in-one type device, whereas the Jamboard, you need another device in the room to make it function uh, to its fullest extent. But it ties in with G Suite, and there you go. Google kind of popped this out. Good for them. Validates the reason why the Surface Hub exists. And competition is always good for the consumer. I will always say that. So, I don't know. Good luck, Google. I, I hope it works out well for you, and I hope I hope this kind of kicks Microsoft's butt and gets them in gear with the Surface Hub production and get these things shipped out. So that is Google's kind of subtle announcement, subtle or not so subtle announcement this week. Rocking the blue cup today, much like the shirt here. Wow, it matches actually almost identical. Could I hid this thing like on me? 
Uh, so the other big event this week was actually Apple. And so Apple's event, interesting. A- Apple's event is very, very interesting to me for m- multiple reasons. One's for what they did announce and two for what they didn't announce. Um, which reminds me, I want to put some, another note down here for later. Never actually typed. This is probably really loud. Sorry about that. Uh, for what was not an, I don't know what Apple, Apple's event. Here. Okay. So let, let's dive in. What they announced was a thinner MacBook Pro with the, what they call the touch bar. Um, and the touch bar, for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm sure most people have probably seen it by now, is just a, it's a display that runs atop um, where the function key sits. Function keys sit like F1 through F12. And it's a digital display and it dynamically puts up icons and all that good stuff. So on one aspect, I think it's kind of neat. They showed off some good scenarios like scrubbing through a video, which scrubbing through a video would be done very easily with the dial, which Microsoft showed off you can actually do. And um, I don't know. It it has some neat functionality. I, I, I can't ignore that there is some good value to it. At the same time, this feels like Apple's stopgap from just admitting that touchscreen displays are actually good. Now, let me explain why I think this. For 30 plus years of my life, I have been trained to look at the screen while I'm typing, right? When you're typing on a Twitter, Word document, email, whatever, you're most people are not looking down at their fingers. They're looking at the display. And so... To have a dynamically changing display out of your line of vision is a tough is a tough thing for me to love because that means I have to no longer be looking at the screen. I have to look down, press it, look back up to make sure I'm tapping. Because remember, there's no physical button here. I I, I that's that's the downfall for me for this. Though granted, I see how it can be useful, but you can't just be typing and reach up blindly and tap that button, right? Um, for example, I listen to Spotify eight hours a day. On my, on my keyboard, I have three buttons that are forward track, back track, play, and pause. Play, pause is one button. That's the, that is the most thing. And I can just reach up and I can smack that play, pause button without looking. That's going to be tough to do on that Chrome or the Chromebook, that MacBook Pro. That's like that scenario where you're just look, typing and saying, oh, smack the F key uh, or whatever. Even print screen, I know where that is blindly. Um, escape, by the way, which they, they put the escape key escape key in this digital row, uh, digital to screen. And it's a virtual button. You can't reach up and blindly smack escape, which I, t- I hit all the time. There's a lot of times in tweet, uh, tweet deck or tweetium, uh, I'm using it and I need to get out of a window and I just start, you know, you just reach up there and you start pounding escape and you won't be able to, that's, that's the downfall for me of this display. So I like the fact that it dynamically changes and gives you more options and it updates and you can scrub through videos and music and, and more efficiently. That is nice. I, I will props to Apple for that. But at the same time, yeah, that that ability to force me to look back down at the keyboard is a regression to my workflow. And there were people saying it's unintuitive. The Mac fanboys were saying it's unintuitive to reach up and touch your screen. No, I, I really disagree because I'm already looking. I don't have to look at my hand to move it. If I'm looking at a window and I need to close it, I reach up and smack that X because I'm already looking at the X. I don't have to look down and then find the X and then smack it. So so we will see. We will see. They will sell tons of these things, mostly because, granted, I, I will admit, and I use a freaking Apple Watch and have an iPhone. Apple makes good hardware. They do. 
I, I don't know if this was the right thing to advance the laptop forward. That's, that's my kind of crux at this thing. Uh, not to mention these things are not cheap. What do they start? The thinner, the thinner stuff without a touch bar starts at $14.99 and comes with two Thunderbolt 3 ports. If you want a touch bar, what is it? I think it's $17.99 and has four at it. So you're paying 300 bucks for that little strip, 300 bucks. Just keep that in mind. That, that, that virtual display is 300 dinero. And it's a good thing Apple actually made the MacBook so much thinner because you're going to need a dongle for everything that you own. Now, it uses Thunderbolt slash USB <clears throat> Type-C, which your iPhone cannot plug into. Your If you have a, a Type-USB thing, it, 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 it doesn't work. You have to bring a dongle for everything. So, conveniently, the, app, the MacBook is smaller, so that way you have more space in your bag to put all those freaking dongles you're going to have to take with you on the road. So... I'm sure they will sell very well, mostly because Apple has gone uh, a very long time without updating it. And so they have, there's pent-up demand for this. There's pent-up demand for this hardware. And that was probably their strategy. It's like, hey, if we kind of like, you know, let this thing bleed out for a while, when we go put a new one out there, there's going to be a lot of people saying, yeah, I really want a new MacBook. And they're going to kind of get take a run on it and they'll sell well. I, I very think, much think that was a calculated move by Apple's part. What they did not update... Um, so Apple's trash can computer, which I call it that, even though it's, it, it was a nice computer. The Mac pro has not been updated. And I checked today in 1044 days. So Apple's what was supposed to be their top end, uh, desktop PC has not been updated in 1044 days. The Mac mini, their cheapest Mac at this point has not been updated in 743 days. Oh gosh, that's, that's tough. Um, the other thing too is Apple pretty much sent a message this week that if you're going to buy a Mac laptop, you're going to spend fourteen hundred bucks. They do have their lower end Mac, which I think starts at what twelve ninety nine. I thought I wrote it, shouldn't it? Yeah, twelve ninety nine is the cheapest way to get into a Mac laptop. The MacBook Air is still available, but I think they're trying to say, hey, these laptops. Um, if you want, if you want just an Apple experience on a mobile, you know, a, a low end laptop, you're going to be buying a uh, MacBook or MacBook iPad Pro. Man, iPad Pro is now their low-end laptop, or lower-end. It's still not cheap. Yeah, um, I don't know. Apple, <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about the ports, so fine. They're trying to standardize around these Thunderbolt 3-style ports, USB Type-C ports. Um, what's funny about this is that they included a headphone jack, which they, at their Apple event, told us was an old technology and no longer whatever. And so here we go. Here's the new high-end laptops with a headphone jack. Uh, there's no lightning port, by the way, which I thought was odd, which is interesting because if you want to charge your iPhone on your MacBook Pro, you need an adapter. Just just let that marinate for a minute. You need an adapter to charge your iPhone on their high-end laptop. This is very, very odd. Apple is generally about high-quality experiences, and, and when you have to plug dongles into everything, it, it's not great. And we have old hardware that's... At some point, again, I like Apple's iPhone. I even like their watch. But I, I honestly think at some point their arrogance is going to overrun what consumers actually need or want, right? Uh, Jobs was always kind of had a famous saying, if you want to call it that, that if you're doing a, if you're asking the customer what they need, it's too late. You should be telling them what they need. And that's what Apple's trying to do here. But I think they're, they might be pushing a little too far. I don't know. 
it's going to be a, if you're a dongle maker, um, <laughs> this is great news, but uh, I don't know. We will see. If you want a MacBook Air while supplies last, and there's no, this is the one thing that annoys me about this. There's no SD card slot on the MacBook Pro. Like, SD card slots are lovely. Very nice for anybody who takes photos. You pull it out of your camera and you plug it in and it's done. Surface Book has one. My desktop has one. I, I don't want to bring another dongle just for an SD card slot. Uh, I didn't buy one of these things either. So, we will see. The trackpad is enormous, which is great. Uh, Apple has always done exceptionally well with trackpads. And this appears to me no different. I'll be very curious to see if their keyboard is much better. I didn't like the keyboard on the old MacBook. I love... And saying the old MacBook, their 12-inch, um, I loved their original keyboard. It was freaking amazing on the last-gen MacBook Pros. And so now they're going with um, a new butterfly mechanism. And I don't know. We'll see if it's better. We'll see if it's better. Surface Book actually has a really good keyboard, too. I really like that one. And uh, I use a mechanical keyboard, which I love. I love mechanical keyboards. So that has been the Apple event. Um, they also talked about, oh, yeah, that's right, their Apple TV, which... <laughs> There was a real awkward pause if you weren't paying too close of attention. So when Tim Cook was on stage, they were talking about how they invented something new. And it was TV. It was just a pause, just like that. And it was very weird. And we're like, oh my god, Apple invented TV. Next they're going to tell us that they invented message in a bottle. Um, the <laughs> Telegraph. But anyways, uh, what their 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 pitch here is, is that they have a, a one guy, don't tell them that that already exists um, on the xbox but it's really just a a tv guy that has everything in it now supposedly netflix is not going to be a part of this but it's supposed to be one place you go and, and here's my honest thing apple was showing how about how you can get all this great content and you have to navigate around and move around and you can go through even through their one guide or their tv guide thing you still have to kind of go around and, and play around and i don't know about you guys but when i'm watching tv like i'm laying on the couch drooling and just hitting that up arrow until i find something i like it was a lot of work to find a show that you'd want to watch so yeah um that is apple's stuff and they didn't they said it was coming i think before the year end that tv guide stuff anyways so one of the things jumping back to one of, the, one of the things, jumping back to the Microsoft event, I want to talk about the stuff that was not announced. There was no Amazon Echo competitor, which I was really bummed about, or even a Google Home competitor, whatever you want to call it. Um, that wasn't announced. Media streamers, I was actually told ahead of time, they very explicitly told me those things were not coming. Um, they were a little bit more shy about the Home Hub thing. Um, so those two things weren't announced. I was I was really bummed. I was I was hoping that we would see some more courage is a bad thing i don't know microsoft you're making me a bit nervous with uh cortana personally so cortana is interesting maybe talk about that next week about the future of cortana because the kitchen is where it needs to be that's that's the that is like the final hurdle for um microsoft is to go into the kitchen and there's some holes in microsoft's lineup like they don't have an apple tv competitor they don't have an amazon echo competitor so uh yeah, we'll see whatever else. So there's actually been some really good uh, questions this week. And this has been like one of the longer podcasts, but you know what? I, I, 
I knew it would be because there's so much good stuff going on in the tech world. Realistically, if you're a fan of high-end computing, this has been an amazing week for you. This has like been the best week ever. You got Surface Studio, which is at the super high-end. You got a Surface Book, which is at the high-end. So you got a Windows option. You got Apple's new options, which I know some people are going to love and, and great. Good for them. Um, and they good hardware. So you've got Apple's options if that's your thing. So it's been a really good week for tech enthusiasts. And so we're going to dive into the questions here. Um, Ken, Ken Hess asks, did you take the dial apart? Any idea what the batteries in it? So I, they would, they didn't let us take pictures of this. Now I can't remember what the batteries were. So they did have like an exploded, uh, they had exploded everything. Uh, they did have an exploded dial and I, I don't know what the battery life is of this thing. And so I, I can't remember what the battery was either. That's actually a really good question. Uh, I should actually try to figure out what type of batteries that thing takes. Actually, very good question. So this next uh, question comes from somebody who has my favorite username so far on Throt.com. Uh, their username is WP7Mango. <laughs> great, absolutely great name. It says, given what we've seen from Microsoft and Apple, would it be fair to say that Microsoft is leading the technology innovation? Is Apple just bumping along ahead with zero interest? So this is an interesting question. And I know a lot of people are just saying, yes, Microsoft is the most creative company on the planet. Um, now, and they've taken that crown from Apple. So um, to some extent, I think they're right. Microsoft has done a wonderful job of of dialing in the creative aspect of this next iteration of Windows. There was a line at the Apple event where it says uh, MacBook Pro and uh, Adobe Photoshop, just uh, the perfect pair. And I was like, really? Like, I think the perfect pair is a Surface Studio with a dial on the screen and the pen in the hand sitting at an angle. I think that's the perfect pair. Granted, when you're on stage at an Apple event, you're, I believe you're contractually required to say pre's three praising things about an Apple product if you're a third party. Uh, and then employees are probably contractually obligated to say four nice things because there was some really awkward saying, oh, this is the great Apple stuff or whatever. Um, so... There we go. Uh, are they the most innovative? You know, Microsoft is definitely going down that route of being the creative company. Uh, what they announced is not just some thing that they whipped up in a lot. They put a lot of effort into the studio, a lot of thought. And I would argue the biggest win for Microsoft in the past couple years is that people are now cross-shopping MacBook Pros, iMacs, uh, with Microsoft hardware. That That is the bigger win than anything else, in my opinion, because Microsoft used to just be not in the conversation. And now people are saying, you know what, I'm going to go buy a MacBook Pro. Well, I should probably look at a Surface Book, too, just to see, just to see if it's if I should, you know, move outside of the Apple world. And so that's the big win for Microsoft is that they are, people are now cross shopping their products with Apple's. And the fact that people are now comparing Apple to directly to Microsoft, especially in that creative space, is the bigger win than even if Apple is still the more creative company. It doesn't matter. That's what's more important. And then so the second question from WP7Mango is, why is Apple persisting with MacBooks without touch screens? As someone who likes Microsoft stuff, that's fine by me, but I'm curious, how long will Apple remain so stubborn about the touch screen never appearing in Macs? So here's... I don't, there is no good answer for this other than asking Tim Cook, but here's my thing. At, at some point, I wonder if Apple's going to try to merge OS X and iOS. And at that point, then touch screen makes sense. But right now you got to remember OS X is not built for touch. It's not. Microsoft has done a, an okay job of making Windows 10 touch friendly, but OS X is not built for touch. So until we start seeing the, the desktop software starting to port 
support touch interface, we're not going to see touchscreen Max for a very long time. And Apple doesn't seem to believe that that's it. Their version of touch is now this uh, touch bar, um, which isn't even on the screen. It is a screen itself, but it's not the, the, you know, the primary display. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, DJ in Canada asks, and so I don't have too much about this. He wants to know, he wants to know things about Microsoft Planner. He says, when is, are they going to be charging for the service? Will a mobile be available? And will we be able to share tasks outside of your own domain? Unfortunately, I don't know much about this. I'm optimistic we might hear something about it next week. Next week is an office and productivity related event. And hopefully this is when Microsoft uh, will kind of come through with this. Another question says, uh, will Microsoft work with existing customers who have issues with the battery and GPU to update their current models? I don't think so. If you, if you have a bum uh, Surface Book or Pro 4, I, I think you're just kind of, you're stuck inside that product. They're not going to say, okay, you know what, for your troubles, here's an upgraded one. That's not very typical. Uh, and then somebody, somebody else asked, Skype Teams, uh, the domain is active. Why can't I log in? You can't log in because you're not in the private beta. And so Skype Teams, as I noted to earlier, is now Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams will be announced next week. I'm trying to actually get some mobile screenshots. If anybody has any, please share. Uh, curious about that. So what a kind of crazy week. This has by far been the longest episode. And so getting down to the insider tip of the week. So this is kind of an all-encompassing thing. If you want a Surface Studio, you better pre-order now. They're going to be hard to get. Um, Reason why Microsoft is taking this thing to the Adobe, I think it's called Adobe Max next week or the week after. And that crowd is going to be the one who's going to be buying this thing. If you're going to Adobe Max, Surface Studio is your product. And so they're going to be going there. And I would imagine they're going to be trying to sell them there too, at least pre-orders. So, yeah. Um, Adobe Max, so if you want a Surface Studio, pre-order it now. And also be on the lookout. Microsoft didn't say when all these features that they showed off at the... Uh, event about when those were going to show up on insider builds. And so that's the kind of tip of the week. Be looking for, out for the new features that should be coming soon. Look for things that weren't announced, by the way, because we know that there's at least a couple out there that weren't announced that look to still be on the docket. And get your pre-order in early if you want it. Um, by the way, that Surface Dial, somebody just asked if it does work with a current Surface. Yeah, it does. You can buy one for your Surface Book or Pro 4. So... There you go, guys. Um, this has been a crazy long episode of, what is this, The Sam's Report. Uh, thanks for watching in. And, you know, we do this every Friday. Every Friday. And I am exhausted. And I've got to do another podcast here at 1 p.m. with Mr. Paul Thurat. Although he's in Vegas, so timing is going to be a little interesting. But once again, guys, thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and catch you next time.